Hi, we're Katie, Jessica, and Shannon, and this is Boy Problems Podcast, a community focused on supporting families navigating substance use disorder. We hope sharing our stories, introducing you to experts, and answering all the questions you have no one else to ask will help you better navigate your story. Through our partners' recoveries, we found each other and formed our own squad, one we know is so valuable to how we manage this disease in our relationships. So we started bringing a microphone to our hangouts to extend our conversations to others just like us. When you're here, you're not alone. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit recovering2.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're recovering, too. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. We are back with one of our favorite guests, Lizzie. Uh, She has been on other episodes with us before, and she's been amazing. And so uh, in the show notes, we can link to the other episodes that she's been with us for. Uh, We uh, will be talking about parenting today, parenting with addiction, um, somebody who's been in active use and things like that. Uh, So we are really excited to have the conversation with Lizzie today. But before we get started, just a quick little reminder, we launched our Patreon account, uh, Recovering 2 is how you could find us. So if you want to support us there, we would love that. Uh, if not, any um, reviews that you could do on Apple Podcasts, anything like that helps us grow just so that we can get our uh, message out uh, to more people. So thank you guys. And uh, let's go ahead and jump in with Lizzie. So Lizzie, can you tell us just a little bit how... Um, with drew kind of how that started because he does have kids um with his first wife so can you kind of explain like the ages of the two groups of kids and kind of just a little bit of his path of um using for everybody yeah so they're all older um now but like i'll kind of take you through like in the beginning when i realized everything was going on um probably the first time was when i was pregnant with our first our first child Um, and I was the one that stopped drinking. Um, they were all like in elementary school. And so then, um, as the second one came along and I was pregnant, like that is when I really realized there's actually a whole lot going on. Um, and at that time, one was in high school and the other two were in elementary school, the three older kids. And, um, that was, that was really tricky. Um, because when he first went to rehab, we had a one month old baby, a three-year-old little boy. And then we had, um, you know, like two in elementary school and one in high school. So I think they were like, uh, like 10, 12 and 15, I believe. And, you know, that's, they're old enough to know like, okay, my dad's gone. So, um, one thing that we were able to do is when he first went to rehab, the, when he was in there, um, 
we were able to meet with him and he was able to take the three older kids in separately and kind of explain what in the world was going on. Cause I think they had no idea. Um, and then, you know, he went back to rehab a couple months later and ended up missing Christmas. He was there from December. Um, and when I mean there, he was eight hours away and he was there Christmas. So he missed Christmas. Um, and he was there for 90 days and I did take the kids um, to see them, to see him like after he had been gone for 60 days. Uh, and it was crazy because um, the oldest is a girl and she was in high school and she drove with me the eight hours she sat up front. And we talked a lot about like, you know, our kids your age drinking and all this and like her thoughts on everything. Um, and, you know, the, the two little boys like they understood but not really and then obviously the baby had no idea what in the hell was going on and our three-year-old was just like this is fun we're going on a road trip um but he realized that dad wasn't around and you know I just had to tell him that he was sick and so that's kind of how that all plays out now of course you know uh our daughter is in college the other two boys are in high school you know we got a five and an eight-year-old now um, and the way we very, we are openly talk about it with the older kids. We talk about like addiction. Um, one of them who's a junior in high school actually just got in trouble for drinking with his friends. Um, that's a new thing. Um, and then Ooh. like my eight-year-old will say, we'll talk about like, oh, that's, those people are getting drunk. And I was like, do you even know what that means? And he's like, well, they're, they're drinking something. And I was like, yeah, I was like, well, we don't really keep that at home. And then he's like, grandma drinks wine a lot. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's just interesting because as he gets older, I want to be as open as and honest as possible. And so, you know, I say, well, we don't really drink because daddy's allergic to alcohol and I don't drink it because daddy's allergic to it. And so that's kind of the way I think in the big book, it talks about an allergy. And so that's the way we talk about it. I, I remember that being your thing that that was your phrasing. I yeah. remember that now. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just an easy way for them to realize, oh, okay, like he can't have it. And then it's not a big deal because we're in a good place. So. Right. So it's you find, um, like you mentioned, you know, he was noticing other people drinking and like automatically we're like, oh, they're drunk or they drink a lot of wine. Do you find that they feel like drinking in general is bad or like, are they, I mean, they're at a pretty young age, so it's probably hard to really have the concept of like, you know, some people can drink and it's not a problem. Like not, not all drinking is bad, but like, it's bad for daddy. Like, I don't know. I'm curious how that, how, how their perception of drinking in general is. Yeah. And I think, well, I think one thing that really helps is, um, like his mom, my, my husband's mom's side of the family there, they, she actually has a lot of addiction in her family. Like, you know, like his aunt and uncle have both struggled a lot. And so like on that side of the family, ever since, you know, Drew went to rehab, it's been no alcohol. It's not a big deal. No one has it, you know, but his dad's side of the family, it's not as prevalent as it used to be because I mean, it was like every every party, like they have a, his parents have a pool and we're always drinking and doing all this. And that has changed a whole lot. So 
the little boys haven't really been in as many situations where everybody is drinking. And that's why, like, when, you know, our eight-year-old said something, I was like, how do you even know about this? You know? Um, and the big kids, their mom's side of the family, like there is a little bit of addiction there, but I think they're, you know, they're going to see a lot more drinking there. So I think the main part, I mean, he really hasn't been in any situations. Like I do wonder what will happen as they get older and say, we go to like, you know, our eight-year-old plays travel baseball. Like when we go to baseball things and, you know, there's dinners and everyone's drinking and stuff like that. I think he's going to realize that a lot more, but for him and the little five-year-old, they, I don't think they really, they don't get it because we don't put them in those situations. Um, I think the older kids, they're obviously more aware of everything. Like we're pretty open about how, you know, you've got this on your dad's side, you've got it on your mom's side. You need to be as careful as possible. Um, obviously it didn't make them not drink, um, because they have, and you know, the junior just got in trouble, but, um, you know, I, I just, I hope they will learn and know that they have to make smart choices and be careful and all we can do is educate them. So, yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, it's probably unrealistic to think that they are never going to experiment. I mean, if you think about yourself when you're in high school or a young adult, you know, I think we all think we're invincible and sure someone's going to tell us something, but it's not going to happen to us. Um, so I guess I think like the best thing that you can do is just, you know, educate them and like, let them know that you are a safe place that they can come to if they like get into trouble or find yeah. that they're having problems or like, you know, uh, Drew being in recovery is like a good example for them of like, you know, that that exists now. Um, that's something that always stood out to me from like our family group. We had a, a person in long-term recovery who attended our meetings and was, you know, so knowledgeable and it was helpful to hear their perspective. And he said, you know, when he was raising his daughters, he always felt like at least they know about AA and the resources that are out there. So I feel like if they go down this path and they find themselves like with a problem with drugs or alcohol, like they know where to turn, um, which is different for some people, I feel like. So I, I don't know. I always like really liked that idea. Like at least it gave some sort of peace of mind. I don't, I don't know. I think like, you know how we talk about like, we can't control things and it's just like, you know, anyone who has kids, like like as much as I want to, I'm not going to be able to control every single thing. Like it could happen under my own roof. Like someone could bring like, you know, a fifth of vodka and I could be like, no, you are all staying here and it could all happen, you know? So it's just like, it's, you know, control what you can control. And that's, you know, they're going to make the right, hopefully make right choices, but they're going to have the options. And as long as they know where to go, I think is, yeah, super important. So. So I'm curious, just really quick, we, we won't spend too much time on this, but with the junior, uh -huh. so you, you, you got the news, he was drinking, got caught, I assume. Yeah, they all got, yeah. Oh, so it was like a group of them. Um, like, how did that conversation go on you, on you guys' side? Like, were you pissed? Were you like, oh man, here we get, we're going, starting down this path. Well, 
it's not, it's not surprising. The thing that really concerns me is this, he is, he is so much like Drew, like it's crazy. Like there's so their personality is very similar. They, he, I think it's really great. Like this past year, he was like, kind of felt like he was struggling with depression and, you know, told his mom and then, you know, his mom told Drew and then Drew tried to talk to him and, you know, Drew was pissed. Like he's like pissed. And I'm like, he's a junior in high school. Like what did, I mean, I know I did some things, you know, like, I mean, who doesn't? And so, you know, I let it really be more of a, like Drew take care of it and tackle it. And, you know, I think he, you know, he was pissed. He let him have it. Like my eight-year-old, I was, I was at work when he was addressing this and he's like, dad's saying a lot of bad words down there. And I'm like, okay, because his, um, his older sister who is in college came over as well. And so, you know, he's letting them all have it. But I think, um, I mean, it's, it's what you got to do as a parent, you know, like he's, he doesn't, he's nervous that he's going to walk in his footsteps. And I mean, there has to be, you know, some kind of, you know, repercussion for what you did. And, you know, whether it's your father telling you for two hours that you, you got to be careful. I mean, that's what it is. So. Yeah. Kim and I've had that conversation of, you know, I've dealt with this with him. And if I had a child who, um, went in the path of addiction or had that disease, um, that I would, um, just have a different way of dealing with it. Whereas he would have to deal with it fresh, like a, like a newbie, basically, Mm -hmm. even though he's gone, you know, he's been the addict, um, and is the addict. Uh, he was like, Oh my God, I just don't know what I would do. And I I think that probably a lot with Drew, like is scary, like just a very scary feeling. Definitely for sure. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think he, he just worries for him because he knows like, um, like the other day we were talking and he's like, what if you could, I don't know. He was like talking about like, I bet they're going to make this thing for one day. Like, like you'll be able to like be able to read all my thoughts and like, I don't know. He's like going out there and I was like, I pray to God that we are not alive when that happens because I don't want to know all your thoughts you know, like, I don't even think I know like a ton of them. And, you know, I think that's where Drew like understands where, um, you know, the junior could be coming from and, you know, like being worried that he's having a lot of the same thoughts he does. Like, you know, he is excelling in football. He's doing really great. He just went on a college football visit and, you know, Drew and his little brother got to come with them. And, you know, he, he used that to, get attention and he enjoyed that. And, you know, it was like, I don't know, like I've talked to his, um, his ex-wife and they were like high school sweethearts. And, you know, she said he did struggle with depression and stuff. And he had, he was like kind of angry and we just didn't know how to deal with it because, you know, 20 years ago or whatever that was like, you didn't, um, like people just didn't talk about the mental health as much. And so I think it's good, you know, now we're, it is all it's becoming it seems to be at least like more of uh something more comfortable it's you know more insurances are covering all this stuff and it's um hopefully a little bit more out there and then can help him but I think he worries because he sees himself in him if that makes sense so yeah that makes sense I think that's a a fair worry also with you know um addiction having a genetic um component yeah um so I was curious, like with both of you and your kids and Katie, yours are, are young, but maybe you've seen things like, are there like characteristics that you see in them that you're like, 
oh man, that really has like, that behavior reminds me of something that Kim and or Drew did and like makes you nervous or I'm yeah, just curious. I mean, it sounds like um, Lizzie, you know, your son who's a junior is exhibiting a lot of things that are very reminiscent of like Drew's behavior. So that makes sense. Do you see anything in, in other kids? And then Katie, same for you. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And so like our eight-year-old is like, he's kind of, he's like so much like me. He's very much like me, but he has this, like, um, he's always had it. And when I look back, like when he was really little, he's always loved to play with balls. And it's like, he could play, like you could pitch to him a baseball. Like he could hit it when he was one and a half. And he, ever since he could hit it, I mean, you could spend two hours out there. Like he will just like do something over and over and over. And like, he will like, when he was little, he would swim for like three or four hours. And I'm like, oh my gosh, do you need some food? Like, how are you doing this? Like, he is very like, he obviously doesn't have, I don't think he has trouble with attention deficit because he can like, you know, be on that. But he just has so many things that um, Drew and I have talked about too. And like, you know, Drew paid, played football at this very high level. And it makes sense that you could get there because you have this like addicted personality. And he has other little things that he does that makes me worry, especially because on my side of the family, like my aunt has actually been sober, I think for 13 years, but my, I guess she would be like my great aunt, um, you know, died of cirrhosis of the liver when she was like 50. And my dad, you know, like the more and more I look at him, like I always wondered if he had an addiction and he actually um, stopped drinking during COVID. And then he's been like, he, he shares with me, like how many days he's been like sober. Well, and I say sober, but he hasn't drank, but regardless, same thing. Um, and so it does worry me because, um, when they do those things, you're like, oh my gosh. And, you know, Drew's like, that doesn't mean that they're going to have the problem. I'm like, I know, but we're, they could, they're going to be, it's, it's a lot more likely to happen to him than, you know, this little kid who's never, whose parents aren't addicts, you know? So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I have a five and a two-year-old and I haven't, nothing like that. Um, like you, Lizzie has kind of come up. Um, maybe that will come with age, but I do remember, um, because when I got pregnant with my first, we had just found out about the addiction and, um, when she was two, she liked to spin and spin and spin and spin and spin in the kitchen and would just make her just, just continue to spin. And I just remember absolutely freaking out like, oh my God, this, this is where it starts. She <laughs> loves to spin. She's making herself sick. She likes to feel a head change. <laughs> I remember freaking out and it's just a thing that kids do spin. Maybe that's going to be indicative. I don't know, but I don't know that that's kind of my only experience there. So I, I think it would make me really worried. Like, as you say that Lizzie, it, it, it makes me nervous, um, moving forward, but I mean, I can't, there's nothing I can do to change it, honestly. Right. Yeah. Like this episode, we hope so. If you want more from the women of boy problems podcast, please join us at Patreon at recovering Two. We will be releasing exclusive content and we also have an option where you can connect with us every month for 30 minutes, one-on-one. We hope you join us there. Back to the episode. Yep. Can, Lizzie, can you talk a little bit? So you're, you're a three-year-old. Um, we'll go back in the day. 
um, he was having, was, was it, was he having some issues like biting mm-hmm. issues or something? Could you yep. talk a little bit about that? Because I, I'm sure a lot of parents, you know, when, when a parent is going through active use and then leaves, cause Drew was gone for quite some time, like how you kind of dealt and navigated that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, it's really hard because along comes this new baby. And then like a month later, your dad's gone, you know, in and out. And, um, you know, I didn't, I never explained to him what was going on, of course. Um, and, you know, like he, he was really upset. Like, I think I started seeing a counselor and I told her like, he was, it was, he was biting his arm so much that he was like bruising. And she said, you know, he's such a little guy. He's probably just like, what the fuck's going on? But he doesn't know how to tell me. And so, you know, I actually did get him, like he started seeing like a child's counselor, Um, and they would do like play therapy and, and stuff like that. And he really enjoyed that. Not that they really got, not that she really ever got much out of him about like missing dad or anything like that, but they came up with like coping mechanisms and ways for him when he was upset or like he had a really hard time calming down. Um, in school, I had to like go to his preschool and eventually I just had to tell them the truth, what was going on, you know? And, um, at first he was like at a private Catholic school and, you know, I, I, I had to tell the teacher and at one point Drew was home and he had been home for like a week, but he had been gone for 90 days and he came with me and, you know, she's like, Oh, that kind of makes all the sense in the world why he was going through this. Um, and then, you know, like, then we split up and then that made things really crazy. Um, the nice part is I did, I did have him continue to go to a counselor to help. Um, I didn't ever explain. I just, I always tried to talk about daddy in a positive way, never in a bad way. Um, I think there was some times that like, I didn't know how to handle myself, especially when Drew was gone the first time. And I, I mean, I do remember just like yelling at him because I have this tiny little baby and I'm trying to get everyone out and, you know, like I took off four months of maternity leave and the first month you know, it took me a month and then he went into, uh, you know, was in recovery. So in three months he was basically in recovery. I went back to work and then the next, that day he like relapsed and then, then basically he was gone. So it was basically with like a single mom with a couple month old baby, a newly turned three-year-old. And, you know, I mean, I, I told, uh, Drew the other day, I was looking through old pictures and I was like, looking at these and I was like oh my gosh I'm like I was a fucking rock star like I did that all by myself you were I was and I don't I didn't I didn't really I didn't feel like I had a choice um you know I did luckily have like you know his parents both sets around my parents live an hour and a half away so I didn't have as many choices but I mean there were times where I was on Facebook posting can does anyone want fun little boys for the day or whatever like I'll pay you and you know like I mean I had to sometimes beg because I, I worked a crazy schedule where, you know, I had to work on the weekends and, um, it was just super crazy. And I wish I would have never yelled. Cause I think I definitely yelled at our little guy, um, because I just, I needed him to like be getting his shoes on and just crazy stuff that, you know, all, all parents get upset, but I just had this, like, I didn't even know how to take care of myself in the beginning. And I think, um, you know, once I started getting in counseling and 
feeling better. Like that's when my parenting probably got a lot better. Like I had some more patience and, um, would share, you know, like, no, daddy's at his, his apartment and we love him. Do you want to call him? You know, like I tried to always keep it like a positive thing because I didn't ever want him to like be mad at him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I remember like during those times, um, you were always very good about like prioritizing. Like, I know that I need to like take care of myself in order to be able to like take care of them. And so like when you were talking about finding babysitters or people, like I remember you were doing that on Wednesday nights so that you could make it to our family support group because you identified us, identified that as something that like was very important to you and needed. And so I think that's like a good reminder for people is like, you know, we have to still find ways to take care of ourselves and then also like lean on the people around us if we can. And I know that some people may not have those options if they don't have family close by or like friends who are able to help them. But, you know, if you do, it might feel like awkward and you might feel like needy and like you're bothering people to ask, but I think it's really important to like lean on those support systems when you can. Yeah. I don't know how I would have made it if we didn't have like those Wednesday night, like things like, I mean, I looked forward to that. I would have paid, I, you know, I definitely paid babysitters. I paid people who I would get that. And I make sure that that was covered. And, um, it was like the one time also that I could just like fully be me and let it out. And, you know, I were, I was with people who understood. I just remember, you know, one of the, the guys in, uh, our group who was in recovery, you know, who would always say the shit fairies parked over your house. I'm like, yes, yeah, I loved um, when he said that. <laughs> I, I did too. I loved it. But I just remember him always making such a good point. Like when new people would come and he'd be like, oh, Lizzie, she has kids. She's going through this. Get her number. Like it was just right. so important yeah. to connect with someone. You know, I was going through and reading these old text messages. I was, my, my phone's like full. So I was like deleting some messages and I had so much stuff in there. And it's like, I would always like, I started always giving my phone number out and I would text people a little bit. And a lot of times, you know, they might text me for like a week or two and then they just wouldn't text back. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I just know how helpful it was to have like you guys and, you know, just the group, like, I can't imagine doing it alone. So like, if there isn't a place to go, like, I mean, I think the podcast thing is so great and amazing because now you can like pick out and listen to some things and be like, okay, these these girls went through this. I'm going through that. Like it just, it makes it feel a lot better. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think that was a big, a big, and like you said, uh, you could feel like yourself because I think a lot, there's just so much shame and uh, stigma. It's, um, geez, what's my word? The stigma. I don't know. And you just feel like an awful person. So to go to those groups or to talk to people who, um, know what you're going through, like the, the sense of community is like absolutely amazing. And so, you know, I have those tech messages too of, you know, you see the new girl and I was, you know, I was always like, I'll, I'll talk to you, like, I'll, you know, whatever. And uh, it was always so upsetting when I would text and they wouldn't, and I, you know, I'm probably too persistent and I would text more and they would never text me back. Um, and I thought, man, I just, I want to save you. Like, I know what shitty position you're in and text me back. Like we can be friends. And, um, you know, sometimes it just wasn't, wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. I also think those, um, like the conversations 
are important because like Lizzie, you referenced this like kind of feeling guilty or just about the way that you like yelled at your son or the way you like maybe handled parenting at that time. And I think it's helpful when you have people who can, you know, like remind you like, Hey, you're doing the best you can. And it's okay to like, give yourself some grace. And like, as you learn more, like you do better as you know, better, but like in the moment you're just surviving and you're only doing like what you can. And so, and I think that sure, maybe you yelled at your kid, like who doesn't yell at their kid, but like, think of like all the other things that you've done that have helped put them in a good position to like work through issues, like, you know, the counseling and talking to them about feelings and, um, you know, even the way you handled conversations about their dad with them, I'm sure like there were times that you're like, oh, I hate him. I'm so pissed at him, but oh yeah, daddy, let's call him. He loves you. Um, you know, I don't think you can like forget about like all of the positive things you did during that time. And it's so interesting how, like, even when kids, like, maybe you're not communicating to them, like what's going on with dad, really, like just, they can pick up on like the tension and stress in a household. And, um, and that was another thing I feel like we always learned in, in group where it was like, if you could get your kid into counseling, like, do it even if they weren't really like exhibiting any signs of having issues or they weren't talking about it or it seemed fine um I mean I think we're all on the same page that like counseling never really hurts <laughs> so yeah I like that suggestion Katie here I'm going to go ahead and stop this episode. We had a fantastic conversation with Lizzie. It lasted for over an hour. So instead of making you sit through a hour long conversation, I'm going to split this podcast up into two episodes. So this is part one part two will come in next and uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of it. Thanks for spending time with us. We hope this story has helped you better navigate yours. Don't forget to subscribe so we can meet you here next time. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the love by rating or reviewing. Need more support? Join our online community by visiting us at boyproblemspod.com. Whatever you do, keep coming back. We're not licensed professionals. We're here to share our lived experience. So take what resonates and leave what doesn't.